If you have your Bibles, you can go to Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to continue on in our series about the fullness of faith. The fullness of faith. How many of you, God's been speaking to you over the past few weeks about this, stretching, stretching your capacity, increasing your faith? I know he has mine. Well, I'm glad my wife agreed with me. That's great. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Faith is not just an attitude of the mind. Having faith is not just something that we have in, the, in, in our thoughts or a belief. We just don't believe our way into miracles. We don't just believe our way into salvation. Faith is imparted by the Lord. It's imparted by Him. It's not just a, a wishful idea that, oh, I wish that God would do this, or I wish that this would happen. But it's an understanding. It's a knowing that it's already done. It's already solved. It's already taken care of. God's already working. Just like, um, you, you know, no one in this room that's born again do I have to? You, you, we don't question whether or not you're born again. You know that you know that you know that you're born again because faith is active and alive in your heart. And, and the same is true. The same is true in every area of our life. Remember, if you rewind the clock to the first week we started this, just bring your water pots. You don't, have to, you don't have to work a miracle. You just have to bring your water pot to the Lord and allow Him to do the miracle. Just have faith. In Jesus, just have faith that he's going to work that miracle. He's going to provide the wine. He's going to move supernaturally in your life. Just bring the water pots to him and allow him to turn the water into wine. If he says, fill the water pot, then faith says he's going to work a miracle. Faith says, I'm going to put, put that into action. I'm going to fill the water pots and see what God's going to do in my life. I don't know what this morning you're coming in with. I don't know what you're facing or the situation that you've come in with. But just bring it before the Lord. Are you willing? Like my wife was saying earlier, just one simple step. You know, just like Zoe and just the, the one simple step of saying, okay, Lord, I'm going to save my money. Or whatever it is for you. Maybe it's starting Bible college. Maybe it's starting a small group. Whatever the situation is in your life. That the Lord says, I want to use you and do a miracle in your life. Just start where you're at. Amen? If you're believing God for your family, then are you praying over your family? Are you praying over your kids? Are you praying over your home? Are you taking time believing God for a miracle in your family? And have faith. As for me and my household, we will be saved. This isn't a question this is a, when faith is illuminated in your heart. It's not a question. It's just like, you know, Heather referenced our uh, Jericho campaign. When the Lord said, you're going to do this and he was going to supply. I had no idea how he was going to supply the, the finances and the resources. I thought it was absolutely ludicrous that we were going to say a million dollars. How could we ever come up with a million dollars? We're revitalizing a church. We, that's when we first started. We'd, we were revitalizing a church. What? How? God, you're crazy. How can we do this? But then when he, he dropped faith in my heart, a million dollars, we're going to do it. And that first Sunday, we were saying 30,000. You know, 30, Maybe we'll get 30,000 that, that first Sunday. Maybe we'll do this. Maybe this could happen. And then the Lord said, no, you're going to. And, and faith was imparted. And I just, I knew not only were we going to get the 30,000, but he was going to super abundantly, exceedingly surprise us. Exceedingly beyond what we could ask or think. And so that's exactly what happened $60,000 later. 
So when the Lord drops in your heart, he imparts faith into your heart. It's not just a mental assent or wishful thinking or a state of your mind. It's absolute assurance of what God is going to do in your life. In Hebrews chapter 10, I'm going to, before we get to Hebrews 11.1, 1, uh, I want to just set the stage and read Hebrews, the end of Hebrews 10. But again, over the past couple of weeks, we've taken a look at the covenant of faith, that we are in a covenant with God, a covenant of faith. That covenant cannot be changed. God says, my word, my covenant, I will not alter. He will not change his covenant with you. The faith, the covenant of faith that we operate in, this covenant with the Lord, he, will, he won't change it. So when he says that you and your household, that's an assurance. That, that is a certainty. Is anybody out there this morning? Hebrews 10. In verse, let's see, I'm going to back up. I'm going to go ahead and go back to verse 32. It says, but you recall the former days in which after you were illuminated, you endured a great struggle with sufferings. Partly while you were made a spectacle, both by reproaches and tribulations, and partly while you became companions of those who were so treated. For you had compassion on me and my chains, and joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods, knowing that you have a better and an enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. Well, that sounds like that's not what we hear in the modern faith message. Let's start off with troubles and tribulations and trials, and you have all of your goods and possessions stolen. This is the foundation for your faith. <laughs> Welcome to the world of faith. Is that if you don't face hardship, if you don't face testing, how can your faith be perfected? That's exactly what James says, is that our faith is tested, it's proven perfected by the trials. So when you face trials and you face struggles, know in those moments that's exactly where your faith is proven. It grows, it expands. If, if you never had a trial, if you never had a problem, if you never were forced, you'd just be comfortable sitting back doing your life. But God strategically places pressure points in our life and allows things to happen in our life to prove and to test the faith, he gives him, I was just talking about this for a moment, it gives him an opportunity in your life to show just how good he is. We've said faith is imparted by God and we become stewards of that faith. But when you're facing that hardship, you're facing the trial, whether it's your family or, or health situation, you're in a, a divine crossroads, a place where God can impart faith into your heart for that situation. It gives him maybe a situation that you would never have asked for faith before. Maybe a situation, it wasn't until the disciples got out in the middle of their storm that Jesus had to deal with their lack of faith. It was in those moments that, that Jesus began to work in their hearts about their own faith, about who he was and what he was accomplishing in their life. So when you're in those trials and tests, God is working in your life faith. He's imparting faith in those situations. And so, if we continue, verse 35, it says, Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. You need endurance. Tell somebody next to you, you need endurance. 
When you're facing hardship and difficult situations, faith produces endurance. There's a hope that's stirred by faith. When you see the reality of what God is doing, not just what you see in the world in front of you, but when you can see the unseen world, when you can see God at work, it produces endurance for the situation. Verse 37, for yet a little while, he who is coming will come and not tarry. Now the just shall live by uh, that was just a couple of you. Let's try that again. Verse 38 says, The just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who have believed to the saving of the soul. So that is the foundation for Hebrews 11.1, 1, is that the just shall live by faith. Hebrews 11.1 1, verse 1 says that now... Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of the things which are visible. Here Paul gives us in Hebrews 11.1 1, this twofold definition of what faith is. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, it's the assurance of things hoped for, and the evidence, the tangible reality, the conviction of things not seen. In other words, if I could just use my own summary here, and you've heard me say it before, I'm sure, is that faith is our spiritual perception. It's our ability to see the unseen world. It's not an idea or wishful thinking. It's, it is the tangible reality of being able to see what God sees. It's the unseen world around us. Right now, Jesus is here in this church. Right now, He's walking these aisles. And you, you might not be able to see him with your natural eyes. You may have come in blinded by your own issues, blinded by, by your problems. But right now, he's here. He's walking. And he's right here. He's, he wants to get right up in your business this morning. Right just in your face. He wants to get in your business this morning and deal with the things of your life and love on you and pour out his grace upon you. He wants you to know his presence. I'm, I'm, amen. <laughs> I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that he's here. He was here before I ever got here. He was here before you ever got here. And he, his plan and his purpose this morning is not for you to just come in church and check the box and do your thing and go home. He, he has a plan for you this morning. There's a purpose for you being here. You needed to be encouraged. You needed to be built up. You've been living out in the heat and the sun of a, of a sin-cursed world. You're here this morning to step in from the, from the effects of the heat and find refreshing in His presence. You're here this morning, not by your own doing, but God brought you here this morning because He wanted to, you to know how much He loves you. He wants you to know how much He cares about you. That's that's faith. That's the work of faith this morning. You might be here and not have a relationship with him, but there's something stirring on the inside of you like this. There's something here in this room this morning. Something's affecting me this morning. That's the work of God. He's been here, has a plan for your life. More than you just coming in and serving, more than you just passing the offering plate or singing a song, he wants to change your life. He wants to change who you are. That's a work of faith. He wants to change how you live. He wants to 
All things, we've been saying this for multiple weeks, all things are possible to him that believes. Not just a wishful, that idea there is not that a wishful idea or a mental assent, but has faith. All things are possible to him, to her who has faith. So faith is the substance, it's the tangible reality of things hoped for, the evidence, the conviction of things not seen. That word conviction, this is the only place in the New Testament where it's used, but the, the, the word there that, that Paul's using is the intention is to describe a conviction, a reality about something that's not subjective, but it's objective. This faith is very intangible to us in the natural world, but in the spiritual realm, it's very real. It's very tangible. It's the reality of the unseen world. We're not talking about abstracts. Faith is objective. It's tangible. It's the reality of things not seen. It's the assurance or confidence, the the substance, the confidence of things, the substance of things hoped for, and the conviction or the evidence, the objective reality of things that you can't see. In 2 Kings chapter 6, if you just flip over there, let me give you an example of this from the Old Testament. Elisha is dealing with the Syrian army. He's been giving inside prophetic information to the king of Israel. That if you're going into battle, if you're dealing with an enemy, inside information is great. You know, that's what intel- the intelligence world is all about. Trying to get the, the upper hand, the, the inside scoop, the inside information on the enemy. So we know how to win the war. And, and we've seen in, in even just the past few years how the importance of intelligence has increased. And this, that's what Elisha's doing. He's giving God intelligence, inside information to the enemy or to, to the king of Israel about the enemy. It was funny, uh, I don't know, it was a couple of years ago now, I started to say a couple of months ago, but we had someone come in to church who's a friend of ours, and they, were, uh, they, they had told me, it was one of those awkward, just story, one of those awkward moments with the Lord. Have you ever had God do something that was just awkward and you felt really weird and out of place when he started telling you something? And about someone or a situation, you're like, I'm feeling really awkward now. I had that moment. We had these friends come in, and they they had told me, he had told me that he had worked for the Department of Defense. That's all I knew. I didn't know all the stuff, but I knew enough that, you know, he whatever he was doing was pretty significant. But anyway, we were we were standing over here during during worship. And as we were standing here during worship, the Lord started speaking to me prophetically and words of knowledge about his job. Things that I didn't know about his job, if you can follow along. And so I'm standing there, and I'm like, Lord, I'm not telling him any of this unless you give me a scripture. I am not, like, I need a verse. I, I, need, I need exact address in the Bible, because I am not, we're not doing this. Because this, he, this could be a national intelligence situation. Like, this is a big deal. Not messing this up. And, um, and I didn't know that. All, again, all I knew is he worked in, in an office somewhere in the Department of Defense. And so we're just, so the Lord starts giving me very specific things. He gave me a, bio, a scripture verse, exact reference. All, I was, it was 
specific stuff. And so I'm standing there, and, and I, I called him, I tapped him, and he was worshiping. I said, I need to tell you something. I am, the Holy Spirit is bothering me, and I wish that he would leave me alone. But I need to tell you this, because it's bothering me. And I, I just need to tell you, here's the verse that the Lord gave me. Here's what he's telling me. And, and, you know, just as it is, the Holy Spirit, he gives you a little bit, and then you think that's crazy, and then you start talking, and it's like the fountain of the deep opens up, and you start, and all these things start coming out your mouth. You're like, I didn't plan to say this. <laughs> what is this? And um, that's kind of what I felt like. And uh, he told me after... He said, that is exactly what I needed to hear. Um, it was, it, and clearly he doesn't just work for the Department of Defense. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and if he does, there's a lot more to his job than what he's told me. And uh, so we finished, and he said, that was exactly what I needed to hear. He said, we had a day off, and I thought we would come. He said, we were in town for a wedding. He said, I thought we would stop by and come to church. And he said, I had to actually ask the Lord. He said, I needed a word. I needed direction for what we were facing, what we were dealing with. He said, I needed inside information. I needed direction. And he said, this is exactly what I needed to hear. This is why I came this morning. So, you know, those inside information are really helpful, right? And that's what, that's what Elisha was dealing with, he, with the king of Israel. He was giving inside information to the king of Israel. And the king of Syria says to his servants, who is this? Who's this guy that's working against me? I can't do anything. And one of his servants tells him, sir, it's Elisha. And he's telling the king of Israel things that you say in your bedroom. <laughs> Talk about insight. That's scary. Inside information. That's learning. That, there's, there's a reality of learning to walk in faith there. Is that Elisha had such a relationship with God that he was able to trust God and walk in faith with God. And God used him to deliver the Israelites. If you read, I'm going to pick up uh, in verse 14. So he said, therefore, he sent horses, chariots, and a great army there, the Syrians. He was mad at Elisha. I'm going to deal with you once and for all. So he sent a great army and came by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God arose early, this is Elisha's servant, goes out and he sees the army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, <laughs> Alas, my master, the old English. Alas. <laughs> That's probably not what I would be saying if I saw the city surrounded with, with the army. Help! <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> what will we do? Again, fear rises up, right? Fear rises up. And Elisha said, no, no, don't fear. Don't fear. Those who are with us are more than those that are with them. Now, I just, that sounds all good and churchy and stuff. <laughs> but when you're in the middle of the battle, when your city is surrounded by the enemy, 
You can shout hallelujah and sing all the we need a miracle songs all you want. But when you walk out those doors and you're facing the, the honorary family member, and that might be the nice way to put that, or you're dealing with the job situation, or maybe it's the cultural issues or things that you're dealing with, whatever the case is, it's a whole other thing to say, don't have fear. But what Elisha was trying to get with his servant was that you need to have the eyes of faith. What you see surrounding the city is very real. That doctor's report is very real. The situation with your family is very real. The problem, they're very tangible. They're very real. But there's something just as tangible that you can't see. I'll say that again because I don't think you heard me. There's something just as tangible that you can't see. You see the tangible world around you, but there's an unseen God world all around you operating. God is doing unseen works all around you. That's what you need to see. Don't get your eyes fixated on the problem. As a matter of fact, if you keep reading in Hebrews 12, it says, let us fix our eyes on the author and the finisher, the perfecter of our faith. If you're going to put your eyes on something, set your eyes on Jesus. Don't get your eyes set on the doctor's report or the problem. Get your eyes on Jesus. He is the one who imparts faith. He's the one that gives you the ability to see the unseen anyway. Look to the captain of our salvation. Look to the one who's leading the, uh, the angel armies that we see here with Elisha. See him who's leading the charge out in front of you. Have eyes of faith. And so that's what Elisha said. Lord, open his eyes that he may see. You know, it's interesting because nowhere does it say that Elisha saw the army. It doesn't say that Elisha told him about the army of the Lord. It doesn't say that Elisha saw the army of the Lord. He just prayed, Lord, open my servant's eyes that he might see. I don't know if Elisha saw the army or not. It didn't matter. He knew they were there whether he could see them or not. He had faith. There was an assurance of God's provision and protection all around him, whether he could see it or not. You know, I, if it were me and I saw the army, I'd probably be telling myself, hey, do you see that? Hey, do you see those angels? Do you see that chair? Do you see what I see? Wow. <laughs> you know, did I, was that? But then we don't see that at all. He just says, Lord, open his eyes. And what did he see? He saw the armies of the Lord surrounding the armies of their enemy. The Lord opened his eyes and he saw and behold the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So when the Syrians came down to him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, strike this people I pray with blindness. And he struck them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. And Elisha said to them, This is not the way, nor is this the city. Follow me, and I will bring you to the man who you seek. It's interesting. Out of all the things that Elisha could have prayed for, do you notice the, con the, contra the contradiction, the comparison here? That Elisha says, Lord, strike them with blindness after he just prayed that his servant's eyes were opened. 
There's a reality of faith operating all around us. The Lord able to work and deal with your enemies. The same God who's able to open your eyes is able to confuse the enemy. The same God that's able to open your eyes of faith is the same God who's able to deal with the situation. So living by faith, it's this life of the assurance, the substance, the conviction. Did Elisha see the armies around him? Probably not. But he knew that they were there. There was an absolute assurance God was standing with him. There was an absolute assurance. And that when he said, Lord, open my servant's eyes, that his eyes was going to be open. And that when he said, Lord, strike them with blindness, he wasn't operating out of wishful thinking. He was operating out of the reality of who God was and what God was speaking to him and doing in and through his life. There's a lot of things that people call faith and, and you know, uh, operate in and try to say this is faith or, you know, and, and really it's just, it's, it's get rich quick schemes and, and, you know, wishful thinking and, you know, whatever. But there's a difference when God illuminates something in your heart with faith. And you say, Lord, I'm, I'm believing, I'm trusting, I have a conviction. There's a reality of this in my soul. What reality of God is stirring on the inside of you this morning? What reality of faith has God imparted into you this morning? Is there an assurance in your heart? Is there a reality of His work and His ministry and what He's doing in and through your life? I'm not just talking about ideas or dogma. I'm talking about the reality of God. What is He doing in your life? What is, it, what is he doing through your life? Has, has he really called you to lay hands on that sick neighbor and see them healed? Has he, has, he, has he stirred a reality that that person that's ill in your family is going to be totally, miraculously healed and transformed? Is there, is there a son or a daughter that God has said they're getting delivered from alcohol? They're, they're going to be liberated from the chains of alcohol. And there's a reality of that in your soul, a reality of that, not just an idea, but a reality of what God's doing in your life. Maybe he's stirred in your heart to step out and lead a group or do something in ministry. And the, you know that you know that you know. Maybe you're here this morning and the Lord has stirred in you and, and, and has given you faith to launch out in a business and to start something new and different and creative. And that reality of faith is on the inside of you. Are you engaging with that faith? Are you stewarding that faith? There's a reality. It's real to you this morning. If not, then you're missing out. If not, on if there's no reality of what God wants to do in your life, if you're just cruising through life, Maybe you're here this morning, you're just cruising through Christianity. Things are good. You're a good person. Things are, things are good. Life's good. But you haven't had a deposit of faith and expectation in your heart for something new and something greater in a long time. I'm preaching to somebody this morning. It's all quiet up in here. 
I'm not just talking about adventure or taking a risk, but a reality that God wants to use you for something greater than just cruising through Christianity. There's someone in your life that needs to be born again. There's someone in your life that needs to encounter the power and the presence of God. There's someone in your life that needs to know the hope to which you've been called. Is there faith stirring on the inside of you for those things? For your family, for your neighbor, for your community? If not, then pray the prayer of the disciples. Lord, increase my faith. Lord, give me faith. You can't drum up faith. You can't work it up. Good works are the result of faith. You can't just work your way into faith. It's, it comes by the Lord. So just ask him and say, Lord, give me faith for my community. God, give me faith for my family. God, give me faith for my ministry. God, give me faith for my neighbors. If you're lacking today, he will freely give you his faith. I can't give you faith, but he can. I can't impart faith. I can tell you the word. I can preach the word. Faith comes by hearing. I can preach. But faith comes from him. Hearing the message of Christ. So hear from him today. Ask him. Say, Lord, I'm believing. I, 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 haven't, I, I believe you can reach my, my neighborhood. I believe that you can do it. Give me faith for it. I believe that you can do this. I believe that you can change my family. Give me faith for it. I believe that you can speak over the storms of my life. Give me faith for this. Belief is here. Faith is here. I believe in my head that this is real. I believe your word is true. Give me faith for this. I think one of the greatest hindrances... You know, Jesus said, greater things will you do. We preach about Acts 1-8, you shall receive. Oh, wow. Let's try that again. I know I caught you off guard. You shall receive power when the Holy... We talk about all those things. And, and it's essential. But one of the greatest, I believe, one of the greatest hindrances to seeing the miraculous, to seeing God move, to seeing the things of the New Testament in our day is not lack of power, but lack of faith. He's pouring out his power. He's pouring out his presence. But we're not stewarding faith. Don't shout me down when I'm telling you the truth. We're not stewarding faith. We can come in and worship and sing and dance and shout and clap and pray. All those things, and that's great. But when it's time to lay hands on the sick and see them healed. Come on now. When God says, in your small group, I want you to lay hands and minister in your small group. I want you to tithe. Trust me with your finances. 
Because miracles are on their way in your finances. Breakthrough. I've watched them. Watch people tithe their way out of poverty. Literally. Start with the pennies. Start with the change. Tithe their way. I've watched during the night of hope, season with night of hope, I watched every week people coming in, riding in on our bus who had nothing. They had come and heard about us through night of hope, came and tithed their way out of poverty. Had no home, living on the streets and end up in houses and a, or apartments or houses and jobs being financially able to take care of themselves again. It's faith. Faith imparted and living and believing God. Seeing the reality of what He's doing. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Verse 3, it says, By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God. So Paul follows this up in verse 3 with giving us a tangible, something tangible that we can grab hold of here. As we talk about abstract or what seems to be abstract faith, although it's very objective and very real, he gives us something that we can hold on to, that we can anchor into. By faith we understand that the world's were framed by the Word of God. Man wants us to take out, remove the creation that God created the worlds. But here, by faith, we understand. How do you know that the world was created by God? By faith. Were you there? No. But you know it. How do you know it? By faith. I wasn't there when God spoke, but those invisible words became tangible realities. And the same way He's speaking over your life, He's spoken words of hope and freedom and breakthrough. And those same words that seem to be invisible today produce tangible realities in this world, in this life. That's exactly what happened. God spoke into the nothingness and reality came. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed By the word of God. The earth, the stars, the galaxies, all that are in them, the gases, the atoms, all the things, even to the the tiniest atom, all framed, all suspended in space, held in orbit, held in order, kept out of chaos and into this place of cosmos by the word of God. It's all framed and hemmed in by the word of God until the day that he decides that it's all done. And he says, I'm going to make a new heavens and a new earth. It's all framed in, hemmed in, held in place, held in orbit by the word of God. So is your life. Every aspect, every detail of your life is framed, hemmed in by the word of God. Psalm says that he has hemmed me in and laid his hand upon me. He's framed you in. He's hemmed you in today. You can't escape. He's hemmed you in, framed you in, and laid his hand upon you. The very word of God that spoke the worlds into creation is holding your life in orbit today. You may feel... In situations like you're out of control and things are out of control and life is a mess. But I tell you, God is absolutely, fully 
in control. He's holding all things together this morning by the word of his power. He's, he is the ruler over every principality and power today. And he's holding. And by faith, you see that reality. I look around and I see the world's held into this wonderful, beautiful display of the glory of God. I love, I love looking at creation. God, you know, it, it, I feel like it's one of the ways that God really speaks to me. The little, it's just the little things in creation. You know, it doesn't, like this morning, I know you may think I'm silly, but this morning I was on the way to, to the office, to the church, and I'm driving down the road, and this deer jumps across the road with her little fawn and the fawns running around being all crazy like little kids, you know, little kids do. There's just this little fawn running through trying to follow mom whose mom saying, no, we need to go over here, you know. It was just the, and, and the Lord speaks, that's just encouraging me. The Lord speaks to me like, do you, the trees talk to you? No, that's not what I'm talking about. But when I see that, I'm reminded as the deer pants for the water. They're looking for a place of refuge. They're looking for a place of safety. I, you know, it just stirs me and encourages me when I hear the birds sing. I was, I, I, no, just another quick story. I was last year, I guess, sometime it was or year before, whatever it was. I was, had, I was just going through a difficult season and uh, having a just, just really difficult season. And I was back. We had prayer in our prayer room back here before service. And our prayer room has three or four big windows in it back here. And uh, I'm standing before service. We're in the service prayer. And I felt like I, I didn't want to be in service. You ever have the, I didn't want, and I'm the pastor. I didn't want to see any of y'all. I didn't want to deal with any. I, I'm just being honest. I'm just having one of those days, you know. And uh, I, I was just having, but again, the Lord Faith, even in the even in the place where you feel like you got nothing, faith in a moment. The Lord knows how to impart faith. When you don't when you don't want to have faith, God knows how to have faith in your life. I didn't want to have faith. I wanted to walk out the back door and say, peace, see y'all later. Y'all can Pastor Grace, y'all just worship your hearts out. I'm good. Anybody been there before? And I'm standing back in the room and we're praying. And as we're standing back in the room praying, this little bird, there's a tree outside one of those windows. And this little bird, only time this has ever happened, this bird flies in, lands on the branch right next to the window, right by where I'm standing. Right, the window, right by where I'm standing. And we're worshiping, we have worship music going, people are praying, and the bird starts tapping on the window right by me. I'm, I just starts tapping with the song. Tapping on the window, singing with us with the song. And I, I, I'm not making this up. I'm standing there and I'm watching this bird. First time, only time this has ever happened. Watching this bird tap on the window. And I said, okay, Lord. Got it. <laughs> Got it. You can use the little birds. You take care of the birds of the air. How much more are you going to take care of me? I got it. I'm hearing you loud and clear, Jesus. And it wasn't... It wasn't like some major breakthrough or so I wish, you know, I could be super spiritual and tell you that I had this overwhelming sense of the glory of the Lord and the cloud filled the room. And it was no, none of that happened. But what did happen is I was able to say in the moment, Lord, you got this. And there I had faith that it was going to be OK. That everything he had worked it all out. 
And I walked out of the prayer room, came into the sanctuary, and we had church. And we worshiped together, and I preached, and we had church. I don't even know what I preached. It was so long. I don't remember. I'm sure it was good. And thank you. I appreciate it. God bless you. I'll pay you later. Faith, by faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. He's framing your life so that the things which are seen, the tangible, the things that we see, were not made of things which are visible. The word of God, you know, rulers, kings, presidents have all this pride thinking that they control you know, they think they control their countries. They think they control the culture and the, the flow of the world order and all of the things. And it's only going to get worse. It's the very thing that's going to lead, we know, to the Antichrist. It's only going to get worse. But, but little, little do they know, it's all framed in by the Word of God. The plan's been in place from before the beginning of time. The plan's been in place from before the beginning of time. The same God who framed the worlds, the Bible says he's controlling and directing their heart. So by faith, we look at the situations around us. We look even at culture and the world around us, and we say, God's at work. This is only the beginning, but God is at work. Now, faith is. Hello. Now, faith is. Why don't you stand with me this morning? Now, faith is. I want to wrap up with this thought. Now, faith is. Tell somebody next to you. Now, faith is. It's the substance. It's tangible. It's the reality. Now. 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 Say now. Now faith. Now faith. Faith is now. It's present. It's real. Now faith is. It's active. It's alive. It's real. Not just a concept. Not just an idea. Now faith is. And I just, I want to say that over you. Now faith is in you. In your heart, as you've sat and listened to the word of the Lord this morning, Jesus has been imparting faith. As you've been fixing your eyes on him this morning, you've been gazing at the beautiful one this morning. You've been gazing on him. You've been looking at him, the author, perfecter of your faith. You've been gazing at him. Faith is being imparted. So I'll ask you as I wrap up this question that I told you the Lord asked me a couple weeks ago. What would it look like if everyone at this church lived a life full of faith? And the more that we go down this journey, as the Lord has asked, and I told you my response was, Lord, only you know. This is way beyond me. 
But I think sometimes when we hear the word full of faith, we think a cup is full of water. We think fullness as to a cup full of water. I gotta be full of faith. And yet Jesus said faith the size of a mustard seed would move a mountain. So I ventured to say that it's not about being filled up like a cup fullness of faith, but fullness in that you operate in faith in every area of your life. That every step that you take, everything that you do, every place you go, all, all things of your life are filled with faith. That you consider through the eyes of faith everything that you do. What would that look like? See, I think sometimes we're trying to meet the cup full, the measuring line, where Jesus took the measuring line off. You can have a mustard seed. It doesn't take much. I just want you to have faith how you live. The just shall live all areas by faith. Even if it's a mustard seed, just live by faith. Even if it's just a little bit, just live by faith. That's fullness of faith. Jesus, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you, Lord. You've called us to live a life full of faith not depleted, not on empty, but every area having a measure of faith. Every area of our life living by a measure of faith. Jesus. This morning, with every head bowed and eye closed before we go anywhere, I want you to just hear the Holy Spirit this morning, right where you're at. How is it between you and the Lord today? You see, one of the first areas that he deals with with faith is that you've got to know him. And the only way that you can know him, the Bible tells us, is by faith. We're all guilty. We're all disobedient. The Bible says that there's only one way to heaven. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There's only one way. There's only one way to heaven, and it's by faith, what we've been talking about this morning, by faith in Christ. It's the only way. So this morning as you're here, how is it with your soul today? How is it with you and Jesus today? Do you have peace with God? It's not just about being a good person. It's not just about being a good person. There's a lot of good people in hell today. It's about knowing Him. Having a relationship with Him. How is it with you and Jesus today? If you're here this morning, you might be here and say, Pastor, I've, I've prayed a prayer before. I've been to church before, but... Today, in this moment, I'm not where I should be with Jesus. You might be here and you might say, I've never, I've never prayed a prayer before. I've never asked Jesus.
to forgive me for my, my guilt, my shame, my sinfulness, my disobedience. I've never asked. And maybe you're here this morning, you're just unsure. Before we do anything else today, this is the most important thing you'll do in your whole life. How is it with your soul? If you're here this morning, you say, Pastor, I'm in one of those three groups. I need to make sure before I leave today that I deal with this. I want you to just raise your hand right where you're at. We're not going to wait a long time. I'm just going to give you a chance if that's you this morning. Just raise your hand right where you're at, Pastor. No one looking around or praying. This is with you and Jesus. I need to make things right with the Lord. I need to settle things in my heart with Jesus before I leave today. Anyone this morning? Anyone this morning? God bless you. Anyone else? God bless you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else? It's the best decision and the most important decision you'll make in your whole life. Anyone else? Here's what we're going to do. Maybe you raised your hand. Maybe you didn't raise your hand. I'm going to ask you to be bold right now. I want to pray with you. I want you to come and join me up here in the front. Some of our prayer team is going to come help me. We're going to just pray with you before you leave today. Pastor Grace is going to sing. I want you to get out of your seat. Come join me around the front. If you raised your hand, come on down. If you didn't raise your hand, I want you to come. Pastor Grace.